why doesn't Jesus kill the virus? That's the question that my five-year-old son Ezra has been asking almost weekly for the past nine months. Why doesn't Jesus kill the virus? Maybe you've asked a similar question. When will this all be over? How long until things return to normal? Pandemic fatigue, that's what the journalists are calling it. We've been in this pandemic for a while now and we are tired. It doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. Every time it looks like things are going to get better, they just get worse. We're exhausted, we're stressed, we're done. My name's Ellis, I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Hill. It's great to be with you this morning as we kick off this new series, Not What We Expected. Because let's be honest, 2020 was not what we expected. But a life with Jesus rarely is what you might expect. A a life with Jesus is is filled with surprises and and twists and and turns, and, 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 and it propels us into something beyond what we could even imagine or dream. A life with Jesus is, is not what we expected, it's better. And our hope is that you might discover that in these coming weeks. Today we're talking about the issue of waiting. When things don't happen when we expect them. This year has certainly been a year where a lot of things haven't happened when we expected them to. And this morning I want to touch upon three aspects of waiting. The pain of waiting, the purpose of waiting, and the practice of waiting. Now, we certainly aren't the first group of God's people who've experienced the pain of waiting. 2,400 years ago, or thereabouts, God's people were the nation-state of Judah. And there was a man who was called to prophesy to Judah. His name was Isaiah. And almost Everything that he prophesied came to pass in his lifetime, but there were some things, one theme in particular of his messages that that did not come to pass. And this prophecy was that there would be a king who would come to rule and reign over God's people and, and would set everything right. Listen to how Isaiah records it in Isaiah chapter 9. He says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever. Now, depending on your political views, you probably either think that we're getting a president who's going to set everything right, or we're losing a president who was setting everything right. And and I think in a year like this, we, we can all recognize the importance of good political leadership. And that's what Isaiah is talking about here. He's talking about the best leader that God's people could ever have. And yet, for the four hundred years that followed these words being recorded, God's people never had a political leader of their own. Every single leader they had was from another nation, another people, as they were captured again and again and again. 
God's people were left waiting for this promised king for 400 years. It was painful. They felt abandoned. They, they felt like God had left them behind. I don't know if you've ever been so tired of the pain of waiting that you've taken matters into your own hands. But when I was young, my parents used to make us wait until after we'd eaten lunch on Christmas Day before we opened our presents. Well, one year, I was maybe three or four years old, my parents in the middle of lunch realized that I was missing from the table. And so they went upstairs with my grandparents to the living room, and there they found me in a pile of wrapping paper. And not only had I had the time to unwrap my own presents, but I'd had the time to unwrap every single present under the tree. Maybe you've gotten so tired of the pain of waiting that you've taken matters into your own hands. And maybe this season that's happened in a more destructive way. Maybe you've found yourself resorting to a habit that you thought was a part of your past. You thought you were free of, and yet you find yourself there again. Maybe you've grown tired of the pain of waiting and you've developed new coping mechanisms to try to get over that pain. Maybe spending a little bit too much online. Maybe drinking an extra drink every evening. Maybe losing your temper a bit more frequently with your spouse or your kids. Waiting is painful. This season has been painful. As I mentioned at the beginning, my five-year-old son, Ezra, keeps asking this question, why doesn't Jesus kill the virus? And I think what he's really saying is, why doesn't God show up now? You know, God has the power to do this. He has the power to end this thing today. And yet he doesn't. So why doesn't God show up now? Why are we still waiting? Waiting is painful. But waiting has a purpose. That's the second aspect that I want us to consider this morning. Waiting has a purpose. One of Jesus' brothers, James, he, he wrote these words, speaking of the power of waiting in the midst of trials. He said this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. When I was in college, I remember meeting a man who had climbed Mount Everest. Now, in, in England, where I come from, our tallest mountain, Scarfell Pike, is 3,200 feet. So I, I really had no idea what it was like to try to summit something almost 10 times that size. I, I guess I kind of thought that you took a backpack and a tent and you, you walked and then every night you'd camp and then you'd get up and walk a bit more until you got to the top. Well, I was totally wrong. When it comes to summiting a mountain like Everest, the biggest obstacle you have to overcome is the altitude. If your body does not acclimatize to the altitude, slowly, 
over a period of many, many days, then you will not make it. In fact, if you did what I just suggested and just started walking and camped every night, you'd die. Climbing Mount Everest involves a series of climbs and descents and much waiting. Now, if I recall correctly, it was a few years ago I heard from him, but it went something like this. You climb up to base camp, and then you wait. And then you climb up to camp one, spend the night, and then come back down to base camp. And then you climb up to camp one, spend the night, camp two, spend the night, and then come back down to base camp. And then you go to camp one, then camp two, then camp three, then back to camp two, then back to camp three, and then you come down, back down to base camp. And finally, after you have been on the side of this mountain for almost a month, you begin the four-day trek to the top, stopping at camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four, before finally reaching the highest point on earth. When James wrote those words, that I just read. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. When James writes those words, when I read those words, I think of that man who climbed Mount Everest. If he had just climbed right to the top, he would have died. He needed to become well-developed, not deficient in any way. And that process takes time. And it even involves going backwards. And this is a lot like life. Some of the most important lessons that we learn come through prolonged seasons of waiting. Three years ago at this time, my family and I were in England. It's our home country. As part of that trip, we had to reapply for our visa We had to go to the U.S. Embassy in London, and we'd done this a couple of times before. We knew the ropes, so kind of experienced embassy goes by this point. But that day, our world turned upside down. We walked out of the embassy a few hours later with denial stamped on our visa application. And it didn't look like we'd be able to return to our home in the U.S. any time in at least six months. And so began a prolonged season of waiting. Waiting for that verdict to be overturned, for our visa to be approved. Now as I look back, the reality was we only ended up waiting one month between the initial denial and and the time we got approved. And yet, we didn't know it was going to be a month at the time. It felt like it was going to be much longer, and, and as time went by, it, it almost felt like an eternity of waiting. I recall saying to God at the time, God, why can't you just end it now? Like, I don't even care which way this goes. I just want the waiting to be over. I want to know whether we're here or we're there. Like the, the trauma of the present and, and the uncertainty of the future was like agony to my soul. And I was saying, God, just end it. End it. End the waiting. Nevertheless, it was in that season of my life that I learned several important lessons. Lessons such as how tightly I was 
holding on to my status, my position. Lessons such as how it's actually more important to be with Jesus than to do things for Jesus. And lessons such as how I was standing in the way of my wife's call to ministry. You know, if it wasn't for that season of waiting, I would not have grown and developed and matured in the same way that I did. I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it wasn't. If I'd have got that instant result, I wouldn't have become the person I am today. And this is how God works. You know, he's, he's not constrained by our deadlines and, and our timelines. He is concerned that we become the people that he has destined for us to be. He is concerned that we are shaped and molded and formed into the image of his son, Jesus. And so when, when we ask that question, why doesn't God show up now? I think it's actually betraying a defect in our faith. Because the reality is that God has shown up right now. He is present right now with you in the midst of what is going on. And he is shaping you, molding you, changing you, transforming you, making you into the person that he has destined for you to be. And so I ask, what if we are so eager to get through this season that we are preventing the transforming work that God has destined to do in your life in this season? God is at work right now, changing you. You're going to be a different person at the end of this than you were nine months ago. You're going to be more patient, more loving, more liberated. You won't recognize who you will have become if only you will allow God to do his work. If only you'll submit to the process and allow his Holy Spirit to change you. That's the purpose of waiting. That's the purpose of waiting. Are we so eager to get to the other side that we miss the transforming work of God in our lives today? Waiting is painful, but waiting has a purpose. This brings us to the third aspect I want us to consider today, the practice of waiting. Today we begin something that the church has celebrated for 1,500 years, a season in the life of the church. We call it Advent. Advent means coming. It's a season in which we practice waiting for the coming of Jesus that we remember at Christmas. And the reason the church has practiced waiting for all these years is is because we believe that in practicing waiting, it helps us to understand the purpose of waiting and to find greater relief from the pain of waiting. Now, there there are many ways we can practice waiting. And this morning, I want to encourage you, invite you to try one this week. I want to invite you to to set aside 15 minutes in your week this week to meet with God and practice waiting on His Holy Spirit. Now, maybe think through your next few days and and identify a 15-minute time slot in there where, where you know you can be alone somewhere quiet, 
Now, now for those of you who, who don't have kids at home, I know that's just your everyday life right now, and good for you. Um, but for those of us who have kids at home, this might require some forethought and planning. Might need to get up early, might need to make use of the nice weather in the next few days to get outside somewhere quiet. But, but right now, think through the next few days and pick 15 minutes. When, when you just know, yeah, if I do this, I can get 15 minutes. And when that, as that time's approaching, think about it like this. This is like an appointment with God. Imagine you had an appointment with the Queen of England, all right? You'd protect that thing, right? You wouldn't let anything get in the way. I've got 15 minutes with the Queen of England. This is 15 minutes with the God of the universe. So don't let anything get in the way of that. And then when it comes, go to that quiet place, get rid of your phone, turn it off, put it away somewhere else, grab a pen and a piece of paper, and write down these two questions. What has been the pain in this season? And what is the purpose in this season? What has been the pain in this season? What is the purpose of this season? And then pray, say to God, speak to me. Come, Holy Spirit. And then wait. Wait and listen expectantly, expecting God to speak to you. And as he does which he will, begin to write down the things that he reveals to you. The pain that you might be going through, allow him to minister to that and allow him to show you his purpose for you in this season. I did this a few days ago and and I was really surprised at the clarity that it gave me. I I thought I had the answers to these questions figured out. But as I sat down, I took that time, I practiced waiting. God connected some things together that are really bringing clarity to what's happening in my life, what he's doing in my life. You see, um, I'm I'm kind of a a big planner. Um, I have this 17-page life plan, which is, that's just weird, I know. Um, And and every day I use this paper planner, I plan out my day, and I I write the tasks I have to accomplish. In the front of it, it has a page for my annual goals. And well, let's just say my annual goals for 2020 got shot through six times by the end of March. It's been a year that's filled with total uncertainty. And so as I I was waiting, as I I was asking God to reveal to me what's, what's, what's been the pain in this season, I felt him say, Ellis, this, this deep anxiety, I've, I, I've, been, I've been struggling with, with anxiety in this season. He said, this, this anxiety is coming from the reality of, of your, your planning nature, your bent towards planning. In fact, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's that, Ellis, you're trying to control the future. And when you try to control the future and then the future changes, you get anxious. So as I waited longer, I practiced waiting, I, I, I felt like, God was saying to me, Ellis, here's the purpose that I have in this season for you. It's to learn, once again, to trust me with the future. To let go of your control of the future and recognize that the future's not in your hands, it's in my hands. And that I am your loving Heavenly Father. I want the best for you. I have good things in store for you. Trust me. So I don't know for you what what has been the pain of waiting in this season. I I think it's something we we can all recognize. Yeah, it's been painful. 
And I don't know what God's purpose is for you in this season, but I know this. I know he has a purpose. I know he is at work in each one of your lives, changing you, shaping you, making you into the people that he's destined for you to be. But I wonder if for many of us we're so eager to get through this season that we're missing that work of transformation. And so I want to invite you to practice waiting this week. Take 15 minutes. Set it aside. Wait. Listen to God. Allow Him to minister into that pain. Allow Him to speak to you. What is the purpose that He has for you in this season? Because I have no doubt that years from now, we will look back on this time and we will give thanks to God. We will glorify God's name for the work that he did in our lives in this season, for the way that he changed us and transformed us. So the question is, will you let him? Will you let him do that work? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that you are a loving Father. You're a good Father who wants the best for your children. And yet at the same time, we are burdened by the pain of this season. So right now, as, as we're in this space, as we have this time, we invite you to send your Holy Spirit to meet us in the midst of our pain. Holy Spirit, we wait for you. We long for you. Come, Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit of God is coming right now, just begin to Give over to God those things that, that are painful for you right now. Just begin in your mind to, to speak them out, whatever it is. Depression, loneliness, anxiety, whatever is that deep pain. Not, not, the, not the coping mechanisms that you're doing to try to, try to get over it. What's, what's that, that deep pain? Let, let God reveal that to you now and give it to him. Holy Spirit, minister into the depths of our pain. Minister your love, your grace. May we know your forgiveness. That though our sins are like scarlet, you've made them white as snow. And God, begin to reveal to us the purpose you have in this season. Show us what it is that you're doing. What are you teaching us? How are you shaping us? How are you changing us? Give us a glimpse of the future. Give us hope. We pray. Holy Spirit, we wait for you. We wait. We wait for you.